All right. I'm Eric with Smart Pot, the original Fabric Pot. Welcome back to the Growing Revolution. And our guests this week are Sean and John Picciarelli from Cutting Edge Solutions. They've been manufacturing high-quality nutrients since uh, 2001. They're all big fans of Smart Pots, and we wanted to get them on to tell the Cutting Edge story. Guys, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. We're stoked. So stuck to be a part of this. Yeah, yeah. Th- thank you for your time. Um, John, you started the company in Northern California. How did everything uh, come about? Um, it came about like any good outlaw story, back going back to 1978 when I was 14, running away from home in Berkeley and moving up to Mendocino County to grow herb. Uh, many years of growing organically when I went indoors in the mid-90s, I thought you needed different kinds of fertilizers in order to grow indoors. And then that became quite a search in order to uh, really see what plants needed. Okay. And then, so what What were like the first products that that rolled out in 2001? Um, it was the three part and plant amp. There were a number of products that were in R and D, but in order to get them labeled and registered in all the States took, you know, seemingly forever, probably took two years. But there were a lot of growers in Northern California that were using the products that later became Plan Amp, Mag Amp, Uncle John's Blend, and so on. Nice. Yeah, I, I've dealt with state uh, labeling uh, in the past, and it's crazy. Each state has their own rules and regulations, and some are easier than others. So, yeah. and But if you get one wrong, then it's like you almost have to start over in some sense. Um, so... What what was unique about your products then um, that you brought to the market, you know, compared to what was available? And how does that compare to, uh, and, and how does that changed over the years? Well, um, a lot of fertilizers use EDTA as a chelator for iron, all the micronutrients, even calcium and uh and magnesium and we didn't go that route we went the biological route where they're biochelated using bacteria and fungi to make them shelf stable because the problem is people think they need to flush for a long period of time one week two weeks in order to get the flavor of edta out because it's a strong chelator it goes into the plant plants can't break it down and you have to smoke it I mean, look at it this way. Where, what is EDTA in? Mayonnaise. And everything else that has to do with cosmetic products. We're the only country that uses it. It's only legal to put in food here. So I actually don't want it in my food, and I don't want it in my medicine, and I don't want it in my yeah. hair. Yeah. Wow. I, I guess um... – Shoot, I, I learned something new every day, and I didn't even think of, you know, the whole concept of flushing and, you know, what are we flushing out uh, necessarily. And I saw on your website in the FAQs, you know, is it necessary to flush 
with cutting edge products. And, and it was cool to see that, you know, yeah, we do recommend, you know, dropping off nutrients, but is it necessary to flush? Uh, no. So, so that's cool to learn why that's the case with you guys. Um, and I appreciate that as a grower. Um, so you guys uh, came out with the louder powder commercial line. How does that compare to the liquids that you guys have? Well, it's exactly so we, identical. John Ford Go ahead, Sean. Uh, oh, I was going to say exactly what you did. Uh, John formulated louder powder based off of our three-part. So it's the same ingredients uh, sourced from the same countries, same high quality as our three-part grow micro bloom, but it's set up in a way where it becomes a two-part. So you've got your grow A, grow B, bloom A, bloom B, and it's extremely soluble, super easy to use in a dosing system without having to run some sort of acidic cleaner to sterilize your root zone and your irrigation lines. And it's same exact uh, as our three-part. So it's tried and true over 20, almost 22 years now. And we launched this product last year to kind of combat some of the issues in the world, like global freight being so expensive and being able to service our customers on the East Coast and, and other countries um, with a high quality product with a low cost. Yeah, that's that's cool. I guess, you know, some I guess as a grower, you know, I might assume like, oh, the you know, the commercial line is kind of a degraded version of, you know, the retail product. So that's good to hear that it's basically the same formulation, just without the water. And um, would you say that uh, home growers could or should use the powder or should they just stick to the liquids? That's a great question. So we make louder powder in a five pound size as well. Um, and it's, it's a good size for home growers, but if you're running one four by four tent, you're probably better off with the, the three quarts of the liquids, just because you won't even use a whole quart for a tent grow, but the five pounders will get you 500 gallons of reservoir feed, which can do a few lights. So it's kind of personal preference at that point. Um, it depends on where you are in the world. You know, a, a home grower in Oregon, use the quartz. If you're in Columbia, we've got the louder powder available. So, Awesome. Now, you guys have a base nutrient program uh, with additives. And what additives are the most popular out in the market? And uh, especially for people who might be using a different base nutrient program. They could use bulletproof. So I would say our, our number one selling bulletproof is one of our top sellers um, for additives, and it's great to use with any nutrient line. Um, it's not extremely alkaline like a lot of potassium silicate products. It is not a potassium silicate, so there's no trace potassium, and there's less of a chance for you to get a precipitate in a reservoir or lock out your nutrients. And then, of course, I would say our flagship product is probably sugary. Um, that product is compatible with all types of growing, all types of nutrient feeding. If you're in rock wool, you can use that product. If you're in CDFA or CCOF certified organic farm, you can use that product too. So it's very crossover. And then, of course, there's Uncle John's blend. 
and John can explain Uncle John's blend to you. Please. Uh, well, it's complex potassium, uh, biochelated iron, manganese, and zinc. So no EDTA, no synthetic chelators at all. Uh, potassium is not considered a metal, and so it's complex and not chelated like the iron, manganese, and zinc. But a lot of people that use it want to know why they have terpenes that are much higher, where before they were getting terpenes from another fertilizer line, and maybe they're at 1% to 2%, and then they get to 6% or even higher when they use Uncle John's blend. It's because of the ratio of iron to manganese to zinc and the fact that they're biochelated. Yeah. Now, is uh, Uncle John's blend a product that is like just for uh, flowering, or would growers be using that in veg? Um, it it can be used all throughout the whole plant cycle, and a lot of times people will foliar spray it in the beginning, and then they get up to about week three or four, and then they put it in the reservoir. So ten mils per gallon. As a foliar, 10 mils per gallon in the reservoir. So it's easy to use. Yeah, and that is, I actually that's, cre- that's, uh, go ahead. <laughs> I actually created it to fix the problem in other fertilizer lines, even before uh, we started making our own fertilizers. Okay. Nice. And with a name like uh, Uncle John's Blend, I mean, that's just uh, checking all the boxes for the NorCal culture. Uh, (laughs) Awesome. So you guys are uh, celebrating your 22nd anniversary of of being a a business, and you relocated to White City, Oregon uh, in 2022. Why did you guys make the move, and are you still manufacturing in Northern California? We still have buildings in in uh, Santa Rosa on Hampton Way, and we we're you know we'll do something in the future, probably uh, lab services at the very least. But yes, the lab and uh, manufacturing have been moved to White City. You know, we had, we just couldn't find a building big enough in Sonoma County. Um, we have over 100,000 square feet here with six truck bays, a ramp you could drive a semi into, and a rail spur on the back of the building. We didn't even have a truck bay in Santa Rosa. And looking everywhere, the most we could come up with is, you know, maybe 50 or 60,000 square feet with a lot of restrictions. So, you know, we looking <laughs> looking far and wide. You know, we feel akin to being in Southern Oregon, very much like Northern California. Yeah, yeah. That Well, that's the state of Jefferson, uh, uh, Southern Oregon and NorCal. So shout out to everyone, <laughs> yeah. you know, in uh, the Medford area, um, Cave Junction, Grants Pass. That's God's country up there. Um, cool. So... Glad to hear you guys are expanding and and making uh, good moves there. So um, 
Sean had mentioned that you guys were very familiar with using SmartPot products. Uh, when when were you guys introduced to them, and you know what what benefits did it bring for you guys? Well, I, I got introduced to them by by Dustin, and a lot of people call him Dusty from uh, Covalo, and uh, he basically said, "Hey, check this out. People grow trees in these." And we laughed, and I said. Really? Trees? That's what we're growing. So that was the start of it. I, I don't know whether he had, he was even really selling them yet, so it was that long ago. Nice. What about you, Sean? Yeah. I was uh, very fortunate when I was 14. Um, growing up in Massachusetts, my Uncle John called me and offered me a summer job at what I thought was going to be cutting edge. So I flew out to Santa Rosa <laughs> and... Uh, after being there for a day, he goes, yeah, we're going up to the hill. So he brought me from Santa Rosa up to Willow Creek, a um, couple ridges outside of town. And that's when I saw my first cannabis plants. Um, of course, there were a couple greenhouses there. I think we were vegging in seven-gallon smart pots in royal gold soil. And then we'd transplant them out into the big 200 gallons um, with several dozen of those pots outside and and that was my first first time gardening uh cannabis growing cannabis and first time using a smart pot and then years years later um i became the northwest sales rep for cutting edge at about 20 years old and the first person i met at a vendor day was tina canham and yeah um and me and her have always been really good friends and she really brought me into the smart pot family. And then of course, working in Portland, uh, either my own grows or grows of other people's, it was either three gallon smart pots in Coke with cocoa or seven gals with a heat perlite mix with some amendments or, you know, growing my own plants. Uh, I like to do 50 gallon pots or I believe they're 45s, um, outdoors here in Southern Oregon, but I've used smart pots for over 11 years myself. My mom's got the hanging, planter ones nice. uh, for her garden and and grows tomatoes in them as well so probably the most cost effective pot i mean we've brought several of the uh, truckloads of them to laundromats and humble before to clean them and get them get one more run out of them because they're so durable you can do that you know with those those uh knockoff name no name brand pots you're lucky if you can even get a plant to grow one season in it uh, let alone reuse it. So that's it's been very nice to to have a good tool in the garden other than our own fertilizer. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, uh, we appreciate your guys' support and, and the kind words. Um, shout out to Tina if she's watching. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to meet her at various events over the years, and she had moved on from Smart Pots uh, since then, but anyone that's met Tina just knows she's just a – a ray of sunshine, super nice uh, woman. So, um, so for what sure, would you guys I mean, say. Oh, go ahead. Oh well, I was just going to say uh, we lost the image of Sean when he started talking about the black market. So he, he's looking quite black right now. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, go ahead. You gotta what are you love say, technology. Uh, so 
guys, what would you say? What would you say sets cutting uh, edge solutions apart from the competition? Um, you know, I think a, a big part of it is probably the fact that you guys aren't using EDTA. Uh, but are there any other, you know, I guess uh, things that set you guys apart from, you know, other nutrient companies? Well, we're an independent family-owned business, so that's going to set us apart. We these days, we, yes, yeah, for sure. These days, we we have no intention of selling out. Obviously, you can see Sean is much younger than me and going to carry forth. <laughs> He's like shaking his, no, we're not selling out. Um, we, the reason we needed a larger facility is we, we make everything in house. We take all the raw ingredients and the biologicals and everything that we store here and make products in house. We're not shipping from somewhere to some, you know, former freight building and then, you know, having it come in already bagged up and shipping it out or bringing in bulk and then just bagging it and shipping it out or, or, you know, putting it in bottles and shipping it out. We actually are the manufacturer. And so we also have quality control. Um, We're scaled differently. Stainless steel tanks that are 3,500 gallons and 6,000 gallons that are made by Quality Stainless in Sonoma County. We The dry line is the Munson mixer and all the different equipment that goes with it that, you know, Munson's in Utica, New York, and they uh, have been making mixing machines since 1832. So they know how to make those. And when you start looking at all of our equipment and all of our inputs, it's pretty much all American. So that sets us apart too, is that we don't source low quality inputs, we source food grade inputs. Because we actually use this stuff ourselves. And you know, and since we're manufacturers, this is what the workers are around too. And we go back there and work with them at times. You know, this is a team effort. Sean, what do you think? Did I get all the bases? Yeah, well, I think you did. And at the same time, um, since we're independently owned, since we don't have any, any corporate directive, um, John and I can make the products that we want to make and, and the products that people want. So um, we don't have to rely on certain supply chain things that other people do. We source everything in North America, South America, and a little bit from Europe. Um, we're not dealing with anything coming from China or taking ocean faring freight forever. So at, at that same time, it allows us to create new products and, and tweak them. Um, and this year we're, we're hoping, uh, based on what you said before with government regulations and labeling and all of that, we're hoping that we can get uh, a new line of products out this year that complements louder powder. Um, since we've kind of put a lot of effort into South America and Latin America, we plan to make a soluble version of all of our products. Um, so we'll have a, you know, liquid uncle John's blend and then uncle John's blend SP soluble powder. So keep an eye out. Those are coming very soon. Um, and we're just trying to stay as cutting edge as we can be. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping with the, with the name and, you know, when it comes to manufacturing, it's, 
quality in, quality out. Crap in, crap out. So if you're using top-notch uh, ingredients, you're going to have a top-notch product, as you guys do. Um, how did the COVID pandemic affect your guys' business, uh, if it did? Is, is that when you guys like made the decision to move to White City? Yeah, there was a, a big shift when, when March of 2020 hit. Um, that's actually when I came back to work for Cutting Edge. I was on the East Coast working with my, my brother, and John was stuck in Barcelona. Uh, he was supposed to go to uh, Spanabis, which got canceled. He was already there. And then the president shut down the borders within 24 hours. So he had to fly back, race back to uh, California. That took a lot of trying to buy a flight and et cetera. But um, once we, we hit the ground running in the spring, we saw a huge increase in sales coupled with a huge increase in pricing of raw materials as well as shortages of raw materials. So we were very proactive. The second things started getting weird, um, instead of taking all of our money and putting it into marketing, we put it all into raw materials and we were able to stockpile. Wow, they got weird. Get us through six months <laughs> because certain certain things. Yeah, it got, we can it only got hear weird. every other word. So at certain points. Huh. Can you hear me okay, Eric? Yeah, I could hear you fine. John, take off your Wi-Fi. John, You're you, cutting I think, out. John, maybe you have weird internet or something. You were coming in uh, a little choppy compared to Sean. Oh, really? Huh. Okay. Turn off your Wi-Fi and go with the cell signal. Um, so... We stockpiled all these raw materials. It allowed us to continue making products. We never had a back order. In the last three years, we have never back ordered one single product. And I'm really proud of that. I know a lot of other companies have problems with that. And with our sourcing, I mean, we don't change ingredients. We use monopotassium phosphate and it comes from a specific place in Israel. And that is it. That is all we will use because it's the highest quality. So. Um, it helped us grow, it helped COVID, helped us grow, helped us understand the supply chain better, strengthen our relationships with our suppliers and our customers. Since we were always there, we always had product and it's what pushed us to move. Um, you know, our old space was 30,000 square feet between five buildings. So it's really hard to stockpile truckloads of inputs. Yeah. And at the same time, plastic went up. So, you know, a six gallon jug quadrupled in price. So it also pushed us to launch louder powder and go down the route, the route of soluble powders. But, uh, it was a blessing and a curse. I want to say COVID and we'll see as far as the business relations of it, but we're excited to see what's, what's going to happen going forward. No more, no more global pandemics. That's what I want in 2023. <laughs> yeah, just wait until the aliens show up. That'll really throw a wrench into the machine. No, just kidding. But no, but if they do, day. I called it. Anyways, um, yeah, that's you heard it here first. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's amazing that you guys weren't back ordered at all <clears throat> during the pandemic because I know, I mean, we were, and I don't really know of anybody that wasn't. So, hats off to you guys for uh, keeping the ball rolling. 
definitely. Um, so what's the best way for people to get your products and, and where can we find cutting edge on social media? For sure. Um, best places to get our, our products. We've been distributed through Hydro Farm for a long, long time. Um, so we've always had a really good relationship and, and good amount of inventory with Hydro Farm. They work with uh, grow stores all across the country, all 50 states. We also work with Spare Time Supply on the West Coast. Uh, they can help fulfill anything. So any store that has a Spare Time account, Hydro Farm account. We also work with BFG. Uh, they're based in Ohio. So they help with the New England, North, Northern, uh, Midwest areas. And, and then other than that, we try and work with retailers as closely as possible. Um, we don't offer our products direct for sale ever. So you can't find them on our website, but you can find our store locator on our website where you can find a store to buy our products. And then awesome. social media, it's all at Cutting Edge Solutions. So Instagram's at Cutting Edge Solutions. We also have a page that's cuttingedgesolutions.mx or .col for Colombia and Mexico. Um, all the content there is in Spanish, if uh, that helps you. <laughs> nice. No, that that's that's big, you know, especially as uh, Latin America starts taking off. Um, they're looking for the information, and if they can't uh, understand it, they're not going to buy uh, your products. So nice move. Um, last question, kind of a fun one, I guess. Uh, what's your guys' favorite strain to grow and consume? Uh, and are those the same, you know, strains? So uh, I guess we'll start with John because you got the most experience. <laughs> well, I guess it would be Super Silver Haze. And that's because in 79 in Laytonville, across from Bell Springs Road at the Hunt Ranch is where the Hayes brothers were. And they had, I mean, when you're 15, you're not the grower. You might think you are, but you are just being told what to do by people that are in their 40s. And essentially, they got the seed from the Sierra Nevada mountains in Santa Marta, Colombia. And they brought it to the U.S., and it had, for outdoor especially, it had a lot of crystal or stalk glandular trichomes that glistened in the blue light in the morning. So they uh, sold it to, they sold seed probably by about 82 to uh, Tony from Siddhartha Seeds and uh, to Greenhouse Seeds. And they said to absolutely not use their name. So instead of H-A-Y-E-F, it's H-A-Z-E. So having had my first experiences with that being a, the unique plant, standout plant from Indica, which a lot of people were growing skunkweed back then, um, I have since been to Columbia. And, uh, you know, coming up in March 20th, we're going to be having the Caribbean Cup. Um, we're sponsoring in Santa Marta and we expect to have people come down off of the mountain with the original super silver haze, which they have many different names for it, depending on their family. So super silver haze. That's a really cool story. Cause honestly, I always figured that haze came from the Netherlands and I had no clue that it originally came from NorCal. No, it so originally came from Columbia. Really cool story. Yeah, 
Right, right. By by way by of, way of, right, of right. Uh, you know, seed companies in the Netherlands and then back to us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all about who who you know. And yeah, you know, and what right? you do. <laughs> exactly. That determines who you know. <laughs> How about you, Sean? So I've got to say, this one might surprise people, but my favorite strain to both grow and smoke is mm. cherry pie. And it's kind of obscure. You don't see it in dispensaries, but not a lot of people are growing it. But it was a plant that I fell in love with on the ranch at 14. And uh, when I turned 16, I had some herb from the ranch in, in Massachusetts and found some select seeds grown from, it was from an area just where we grew cherry pie. So it was basically a cherry pie bag seed. Um, and that cut I had kept up until just two years ago when our house burned down. But that, uh, that strain, the flavor was something else. The color profile, you've got those really orange hairs with the purple right under those fan leaves. And it just, the, the complexion of it, blew me away. The flavor blew me away. And it was the first strain I ever grew. So it really, I've never had that feeling since, you know, yeah, I've never yeah. had that. Wow. That's the flower. That's the, it was just perfect. Yeah. So for me, cherry pie, cherry pie, that that's an OG Kush crossed with something, right? Yes. And honestly, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I know there's some GDP in there somewhere. Probably. Um, but yeah, the specific cherry pie that John had. I'm, I yeah, don't that know was a was. that was a Durban poison from Africa, and it was crossed with a cherry flavor that was from this guy JP, who was growing fruit strains in the early '70s in Southern Humboldt. He, uh, you know, he he didn't live far from smart pot in Oklahoma. So he was in that area, went to Nam, came back. The sheriff said, you're a war hero, so we're going to tell you the DEA is going to be here tomorrow to take your plants. So he dug them up and drove cross country with him in a box truck with his whole family and went to Southern Humboldt. His son Leaf is like in his 50s and he's still there. But it was crossed with that. And, and that, that's what made it unique. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, some, some of these strains kind of come and go, but, uh, you know, I, I would, I don't even know if I've had cherry pie before, but I would just love to. So, um, you know, this has been a really fun interview, um, as somebody who's, you know, been, a fan of your guys' company and, you know, all the reps that you guys have had over the years have been awesome to interact with. Um, this has been a treat getting to know you guys more, learn more about, you know, cutting edge and then about, you know, I'm just all about the culture of our industry and preserving these stories uh, for future generations. So on that note, uh, John and Sean, hey, thank one you more so thing. much for joining I, I, us I have a, on the I have a question Revolution. for you. Oh, yeah. So have you ever transplanted okay. clones into, say, gallon smart pots and then transplanted the, with the smart pot directly into a, a raised bed? 
So usually we we do recommend taking uh, the plant and root ball out of the smart pot uh, for best results, but I've seen a bunch of people do basically you know throw it right in there into the raised bed. Did, is that something yeah. you've done in the well, past? Well, it doesn't work so well with seed plants because they have a strong tap root. But we actually did that at the Willow Creek Ranch mm-hmm. too. We took, uh, you know, first we did it as an experiment in one of the greenhouses, of course. We do a lot of R&D and experiments that, you know, some of them we won't ever talk about. <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't the best right. designed experiments. Let's just call it that. But, um you know, I, I right. wanted to see a lot of people were kind of running out of water and, you know, they're in smart pots and they don't have a really, they don't have the drip irrigation system that we have to pulse feed the plant. So what to do? And the easiest thing to do is put them in the ground. And how do I know that works? Because I've done it myself. And it only works with clones because you get those fine roots and they actually make it through the side of the smart pot and then they expand from there and they can actually the this the fabric of smart parts smart pots is giving enough that it can push open the pot a little bit just enough get the root through and you're you know it it's such an improvement i mean i i would never recommend it until unless somebody was like in a situation where they really had to conserve water and it's easier to just build raised beds around the smart pots. And, uh, and you see that happen. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, somebody, uh, years ago, ago told me, uh, their secret technique with smart pots is to partially bury them about that far underground and they said it's the best of both worlds, and they 100% swore they've done a side by side where they had the whole smart pot just on the on the you know uh, on on the soil versus one that was partially buried. And they said by far the one that was buried uh, yielded more, and the quality was higher, and people could tell the difference between the two, even though it was the same strain. So, um, yeah, I. I've heard those stories. I haven't done it myself, uh, but I, I can confirm that uh, those rumors. Uh, oh, yeah. Right I've now. seen it done actually many times. And people will take a backhoe and dig a trench and drop in the, the smart pot right up to the top and then come back and backfill, you know, mm-hmm. dump truck, backfill with uh, the backhoe. And, you know, do the final little rake work around it and get it all smoothed out. And that worked better than leaving them out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, we're, we're, we're seeing the top of your head now. Uh, it looks like the, it looks like your screen is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're losing you. <laughs> hey, your ceiling looks great, though. Yeah, it's a two-tone room. Uh, looks sharp, looks sharp. Um, well guys, uh, like I said, this has been probably more fun than I'm allowed to have on the clock and, um, good to see you guys, uh, again and looking forward to seeing you guys, you know, at the next, uh, stop on the traveling circus we know as, as the hydro industry. So, um, with that said, thank you so much guys for your time on the growing road. Yeah. Thanks Eric.
Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it.